What's up, y'all? My name is Jake. And my name is Carl. And you're listening to Do You Even Lift Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We deeply appreciate it. Today, we have a special guest joining us for this discussion. Say hi to the peoples, Mitch. Hi, the peoples. <laughs> awesome. We'll get to know Mitch later in this episode when we interview him more directly. But now we're going to talk about Star Wars? Question Star mark? Wars. Why would it be a question mark? I don't know. Why Why can't it be a question mark? <laughs> We're absolutely going to talk about Star Wars. Right, yeah, I know. And <laughs> you are dressed for the occasion. I'm very much impressed. Yeah. How are you? I'm all right, Jake. Um, I just came off of a conference, just traveled in from Minnesota, St. Paul, um, Minneapolis. So uh, Mitch also has a t-shirt with Star Wars on it. Hey, hell yeah. Uh, I have zero Star Wars gears on, so I'm probably not going to talk much today. Um, <laughs> there is a Yoda in the corner. Anyway, That's pretty dope. <laughs> I, so I'm a little tired. I'm ready to go for this, though. Uh, I think there's a palpable excitement in the room here to talk about Star Wars and masculinity. So I kind of want to get out of the way. Jake, how are you? Um, I'm doing, I guess, OK. Uh, it's just some stuff in my personal life that's going on right now. It's kind of been consuming a lot of my thoughts, um, but I'm really excited to be here today and uh, do this work and continue to do this work with you and any special guest that comes in like Mitch, especially around Star Wars because I'm a f- effing nerd about it. So, yeah. How are you, Mitch? Doing all right. Yeah. Had a pretty productive weekend, which is good. And uh, read up a little bit on some some Star Wars getting ready for this. So I'm excited to talk about it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to jump in. That's what's up. Can you tell us why Jake and I sort of picked you for this particular podcast? Sure. I'm a huge geek nerd about it as well. Been reading, watching, consuming Star Wars uh, since I was like five years old back in, what was that? Well, probably even before that, but for a long time, it's been a part of my life. Um been a huge part of my life actually personal life and so yeah i've got a a lot of probably unnecessary knowledge stored up in there or very necessary because it all led up to this point right here fair enough fair enough i did get first at a trivia quiz one time (laughs) star wars trivia nice Nice. yeah do you mind sharing some identities that you hold true to yourself or salient identities yeah definitely so i'm a identify as a cis white male straight able-bodied in uh Higher ed right now working as a like advisor counselor for for students. Um, believe and and understand full heartedly the um, work needs to be done around different identities in particular uh, around masculinities around gender sexuality sexual orientation and how that sort of impacts and shapes our our lives. You so, tell us a little bit about your experience working like specifically with masculinity work and how you got involved. Yeah, sure. Uh, so undergrad uh, here at CSU got involved in a program called, uh, what was it called back then? Men's Project. Um, it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. 2005, 2006. Yeah, um, Mitch, and I, Mitch and I were in it together, actually. Yeah. Um, same cohort that year. Opened my eyes to talking about <clears throat> gender and sexual violence and talking about how men can sort of work on themselves and sort of challenge the culture and work with each other and changing some of the the systems of oppression that exist. I'm using broad terms there. But anyway, got involved with that. Then I got connected with, after I graduated, a nonprofit here in town, Sexual Assault Victim Advocate Center, where I worked as a prevention coordinator for sixth to eighth grade boys, talking about this stuff as well. And then uh, got back into grad school and did some work helping co-facilitate and spreading uh, just ideas and, and, and thoughts on how to engage more in this work. Word. Thank you. Sweet. What are we talking about today? Star Wars. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's broad. Oh, it's, yeah. it's enormous. Yeah. yeah, that's true. We could talk about a lot. So masculinity is in Star Wars. That's still pretty broad. That's true. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the universe. There's comic books. Yep. There's novels. Yep. There's the movies, obviously. Yep. How? Video games. There's video games. Toys. Toys. Okay. Right. All this clothing. Lunchboxes. 
It is <laughs> thermos. Yep. This is an enormous industry and we could, we don't have the time to talk about all of it. So right. what specifically will be, will we be focusing on for this particular podcast? So I think, um, one of the, one of the crucial aspects that I've looked at a lot is, um, how masculinity is represented with the Skywalker saga. So we could talk about Anakin Skywalker from the prequel trilogy. We could talk about Luke Skywalker from the original trilogy. And I think there's actually a lot to pull from Luke Skywalker's story arc from the original three movies, 77, 80, and 83. And, uh, those are the years. Yeah. The, okay. the movie releases. <laughs> Even those are the years. That's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. Well, four or five, episode four, five, and six. Right. Can, but anyway, uh, I'm dating it because I think what's actually important about that is since 77, um, the impact of Luke Skywalker in particular, we talk about Han Solo and Darth Vader and stuff too, but, uh, Luke Skywalker's journey and his arc, as far as masculinity goes, is pretty important. When I think about maybe Luke Skywalker in particular, and Anakin too, I guess, is there's a lack of a father figure, right? Um, mm-hmm. In both of their lives. And then for Luke, it's different because who his father is is revealed to him is more of a symbol than mm-hmm. anything else. And so when I think about the hero arc, the hero archetype as it relates to overcoming, I don't know, obstacles, overcoming missing parts of themselves in their lives. What are some of the messages that come out in Star Wars through the Skywalker arc as it relates to the father stuff? Sure. Yeah, no, that's actually, that's a really good question, I think. So I think Luke's journey originally was based on kind of the, there's a classic hero's journey arc that George Lucas had pulled from other mythos, uh, other other forms of pop culture and, and storytelling, um, dating back to Greek mythology to one, help shape a classic hero's journey. But I think a component of that is not just Luke, the lack of the father figure, but Luke actually coming into manhood okay. as it's defined in culture. Right. So one of the oldest stories that's been perpetuated, that's gendered, I think, is the rite of passage of like boy to manhood. And it's, it's specifically male focused in storytelling more often, I think, than like a girl to womanhood. And I think that's definitely, you know, driven by patriarchy and all these things. But right. ultimately, that's one of the the messages he wanted to, to do was say, OK, what's this? classic story of how a boy becomes a man and not having a father figure, I think shaped a lot of, yes, his journey. And it's important in the story that, you know, the villain is his father and all that and the, the dynamics there. But I think also Luke kind of has three adopted fathers hmm. um, that shape some of his masculinity. But I, I honestly think actually Luke's identity as far as his his values and his actions are driven more in, in terms of shaping his masculinity is driven more by the female figures in his life. I'll talk about that in a bit, but I think there's more to be said about kind of that he might sort of take after a mom that he also never knew or other female figures than, than any male role model. So Obi-Wan, Yoda, Vader, and, and then uh, sort of the emperor. Um, In the ways of thinking about like becoming into manhood or becoming a man, I think that that famous line that Obi-Wan Kenobi says is these are your first steps into a larger world. And so I think about how that almost shows this like way of passing down tradition and these masculine values in a way of, and also even showing that this, like this token of, of manhood is basically ingrained in this lightsaber he gives them, which is his father's. And so like, I think that it's fascinating the ways of like, we think about how Luke doesn't have a father, but there's other ways that like father figures show up to him that only give him this only one aspect of like what it means to be a man. So do you have any other, I guess, thoughts around that or other 
aspects of Star Wars that you've noticed the same similar theme? Yeah, definitely. So Luke's first kind of father figure, um, arguably, is actually his uncle. Um, right. And his uncle's cynical and, you know, work driven just on his responsibilities with the farm. And Luke's this farm boy who has this idealism and these dreams of getting out of the farming community and into the larger universe and escaping kind of the predisposition that his uncle is putting on him as being just another farmer guy, you know? And so he gets this kind of, I think, depiction of, of fatherhood from a cynical, probably a guy who didn't really even want to be his father, probably, it seems like. And uh, Luke's aunt, his mother figure at the time, shows him some more compassion, I think, than even his, his uncle did about needing to get out. And so Luke's like, all right, got this itch to get out, but I'm not going to pick up any of the values necessarily or, or some of the values that my, my uncle push in there. Right. And then Obi-Wan, he meets this guy who's like, oh, you have all this potential. You should live up to that potential. And here's how you can become a man. And by doing this, um, follow me and I'll teach you the ways. And then he's gone. Um, and Luke is like, you know, oh, shit, now what do I do? And he's told to go find this new father figure, Yoda, and learn even deeper and more about this. But his rite of passage, I think, comes in Empire Strikes Back where he is supposed to it's not blowing up the Death Star in the first one. It's, you know, not becoming the hero of that story. It's actually in the second one where he's told the only way you're going to become a Jedi and quote unquote become a man is by confronting your father. Oh, I'm sorry. That actually happens in the third one. But in the second one, he does it brashly. He's not ready yet. He's still kind of an adolescent. Obi-Wan and Yoda are telling him, hold off. Don't do it yet. You're not ready. He runs off and he totally gets his... Kick. Yeah. 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 And uh gets the sand cut off and <laughs> learns this terrible truth and has suffered trauma and pain and witnesses his friends get captured and her friend and all this stuff, you know. So pretty heartbroken, I think. But then he realizes, okay, I do need to confront my dad and confront this notion of toxic masculinity, which is interesting. I think one of the story arcs of Luke is anti-toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. It's actually this notion of, and I looked into this and I thought about this a lot more, um, this hero who is confronting all of these different forms of toxic masculinity. And he does it in multiple ways. He confronts it against Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan's got some of that stuff. He confronts it against mm-hmm. Han a little bit. Yep. Han's got that stuff. He confronts it against Vader for sure. And the emperor who is this like the man, the representation of all patriarchy and power and dictatorship and stuff through nonviolence, pacifism, through wanting to um, throw away his lightsaber in like probably the most pinnacle moment of the entire trilogy when they're trying to get him to turn to the dark side and he's like, I'm not going to do it. And he throws his, you know, saber down. He's willing to be killed and trust in his friends to save the day anyway for the first time. And that's actually when he transitions to, I think this idea of manhood, which is stepping up into responsibility, at least according, you know, to George Lucas and all these the people who wrote this, but stepping into this role as a hero in that way. So the obsession that Luke has to save his father or like there's some good in him, I can yeah. sense it. Yeah. What Altruism. is that about? <laughs> Altruism. And optimism. Okay. Because I don't think altruism is actually the solution to toxic masculinity. I don't think so either. So. But can a dash of it be helpful? Probably. Right. You have to think outside of yourself to some degree to grow and develop as a human being, to recognize other people as human. But I thought as you were talking, it's really interesting to think about Luke being literally the only person to think that he can save his father, but that's because he has the least amount of context too, in terms of how Vader turned in the first place. And so I don't know. I just, I think that's a really interesting dynamic of like, what does it mean to be a man? Well, to believe unconditionally in like a proven evil piece of 
that is Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what that teaches men in terms of, oh no, he's, he's actually a good guy or something like that. Yeah, definitely. So I think that Luke not having that knowledge, um, is actually, and and I think because the way that the stories were given to us too, right? Four, five, six first. And in terms of in real life and our, the way we consume them, at least I, the way I consume them, because I grew up lucky enough to only have seen the original three before the prequels even came out was that there was this character who yeah represented sort of the hope the optimism the the good of of totally forgiveness and empathy and a little bit of altruism to win and this was at a time in the late 70s 80s where yeah it's still white male but i think there was a lot of tension driven around like cynicism and uh in in our society and it's still true today but i think it was like what was powerful about that character was that he represented something that a lot of pop culture at the time wasn't actually showing Hmm. and people could buy into that. So what it did was it, you kind of alluded to this, it started to shape sort of an impression of a certain type of masculinity for a certain type of boy, probably, probably some girls too, or some um, non-gender conforming folks or or other identities. But I think ultimately it, it put this impression on young boys about what this ultimate altruistic good hero could be. Yeah, he he's a little young and naive at first and he grows into this Jedi that ends up through help and also faith in redeeming his father saves the day, right? His father right. ends up helping him out, but he did redeem him and that was what he set out to do. And he cared more about that than sort of ending the Death Star in that time and, you know, helping out the rebels defeat the Empire. So what that did is I think it set up this notion that there is a certain type of masculinity that boys can aspire to, to be a good good guy. Right. What's interesting, it doesn't have to do with getting the girl because he Leia's his sister and not, not only that, but he doesn't end up with, there's no other female figure that's his love interest in the movies. And it's barely like Leia. You could argue that like that goes away pretty quickly after the second movie when he goes on his own journey. So it's actually about like doing the right thing. I think. Right. But I think that's a high bar and standard to set that if you can reach this as a hero, you're a good guy. Hmm. Maybe there are certain entitlements with that too. Some sort of victory, some sort of celebrate. You get you get toted as the hero. And that's, I think, kind of dangerous too. Yeah, say more. So this idea, I think that a lot of boys, like I said, in my generation, and maybe even a little older and maybe some younger, grew up with idolizing Luke Skywalker among thousands of other hero portrayals we got from G.I. Joe to James Bond to like with all different subsets of masculinities. Um, Luke Skywalker is this one of those like quote unquote boy scout types that makes it to the end of the day through good choices. Doesn't really fuck up that much. He fucked up an empire, but that's only because he chooses to confront his demon. And the bar is then that if you do that, you know, you're going to be toted as the hero. And I think today what we're seeing, especially amongst 15 to 30 year olds, probably even a little older, is this idea of if you're a good guy, you deserve something from that. Like if you do this work to be a good guy and it's hard, especially if you got a lot of other privileged identities, you're not really acknowledging those along the way. You're just saying, oh, I did all this good work and I used air quotes there to be entitled to something. And what that translates to in our society because of all this other messaging, I think a lot of times is the perfect relationship, the sex, the successful job and career and like certain things that our society espouses we should have. And if we don't have that, it's there's it's such a fragile line for especially men and talk about like masculine fragility that I think it, it also leads to depression and anxiety and acts of aggression if they're not getting it. If you see those pieces in Luke, do we see the opposite with Anakin? Yeah, definitely. Anakin, I think, represents toxic masculinity. And I think in the new trilogy, too, I know we were going to talk about this too much, but Kylo is representing that now. Yeah. Um, 
the idea of like that toxic masculinity is actually the villain. And I think that's actually a shape of the times too, of what pop culture, especially in like the sci-fi fantasy realms are trying to deliver. So the early 2000s was starting to move towards this messaging of like trying to probably introduce a little bit more diversity and also trying to introduce more themes that weren't just white male hetero patriot, you know, like certain. Right. And then that was the 2000s. So that was the, the prequel. Anakin is the epitome of entitlement and whining and not making the right choice because he's not getting it. And so he falls to the dark side. And then Kylo is sort of following down the same path, but the complications I think are a little bit deeper in the new one. We don't have to get in that, but. Right. So yeah, I was thinking like the fact that he couldn't save his wife yeah. like, ruined him. Yep. The fact that he couldn't be a savior yep. ruined him. And like, I guess also like the fact that he was didn't grow up with a father figure either and how that really created this like tension. And so then when Palpatine stepped in and is like, I'm kind of your dad, yep. <laughs> then, oh, so everything you say is right. And everything that you want to tell me as mm -hmm. a developing person and developing man will be right. So therefore, I mean, you also use manipulation and a lot sure. of other stuff, but well, Palpatine validated Anakin's insecurities right. in ways that erased them, mm -hmm. right? Or fueled his yeah, vengefulness, fueled his anger. The Jedi um, just shamed him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For having thoughts and feelings. So I actually think if you take Palpatine as a representation of society, of like feeding in the insecurities of men, it can turn into someone like Vader, right? right. And what gives me hope if we interpret this, I'm sure it was not intentional this way, but like George Lucas wasn't like, oh, I'm going to portray the way masculinity can be saved like i do think there's some level of hope and intention in the rescuing of vader for us as right. as men because if people can't come back from the dark side then what's the point if we are in this podcast arguing that there's a lot of darth like a lot of sith when it comes to men in our society in the u.s then what's the point so the relationship between anakin and palpatine i think is a really important one to frame in terms of the way men need a better and a different way to feel good about ourselves. Right. Right. And I think one of the fascinating things, like you said, it was might not have been intentional at the time, but you look at the comparison of Anakin's arc and, and Luke's arc in the two different trilogies, the prequel and the uh, original trilogies. Yeah. Anakin, Anakin falls. He, he, you know, succumbs to his insecurities and his rage and um, the fact that he couldn't save, you know, the one he loved, um, he can't let it go right. and, and destroys him. Like mm -hmm. you said, Luke, He's afraid of losing Han and Leia and, and Empire Strikes Back and he goes off to rescue him and he failed, at least rescuing Han at, at first. And it doesn't destroy him though, because he's a little bit more, I think, able to deconstruct like, okay, yeah, I just got a bomb dropped on me that my dad is, you The know, most evil piece of Right. This war, <laughs> this person I had previously thought of was just a war criminal, but now I have to go, oh, my dad is, yeah, this one that was terrorizing millions and me and my family. And he starts to, I think, learn how to let go quicker than Anakin did. And I think that actually you could trace like that logically makes sense as far as his personality goes, because you could, if you constructing this character, go back to who taught him those values. Again, if you espouse him to have more empathy and compassion in him than almost any of the other characters in the entire saga, that's huge. Okay. For him to be able to both have empathy and compassion for others, but also for himself. He doesn't beat himself up. He doesn't chastise himself for failing to confront Vader. At least we don't see that right in the films. Instead, he's like, I'm just going to lean, I'm going to lean back into it. I'm going to confront him again. Sorry, Leia. I know you're my sister and this means a lot to you to, for me to be here for you. I'm going to leave and I'm going to go confront both of them. Cause the deaths that Luke experienced aren't that different from the ones that Anakin experienced, right? right? Like right. Luke's parents, quote unquote, her, his uncle and aunt mm -hmm. were brutally murdered. Yep. Just like yep. when Anakin saw his mom, right? you know, Obi-Wan died, yep. Yoda died. Yep. 
all of his mentors and people that he knew and loved all died, but Mm -hmm. he was had enough, I don't know, support something. I think that piece, that missing piece between Anakin and Luke is an important component to understanding the formation of our masculinities Mm -hmm. in terms of, is it really that, I don't think it's a small thing, but is it that simple that something is missing in our understanding of masculinities today that drives more people to the dark side or whatever? (laughs) Versus driving people to the light. Yeah. I don't know if this was intentional or not, but what we kind of talked about is like, was George Lucas's intention to think about like masculinity and loneliness and how that can even manifest these ways of like, which ways of being like, cause if you think about it, like Anakin felt alone most of his life. And then until like Qui-Gon Jinn was like, Hey, there's another way to live. You could be a Jedi. And then he dies And so therefore, like, he still feels alone. But then Obi-Wan's like, I'm here for you, kind of. I wasn't as influential, quote unquote, as Qui-Gon. But like, I feel like there's that like ways of like thinking about Luke never felt alone because of even like when Yoda died or when Obi-Wan died, they still, still the force kind of brought him, brought that like their spirits to him. And so I'm thinking about like how masculinity and loneliness kind of perpetuates violence in different ways. Yeah. So I think to answer the first question, I, I mean, I have no idea truly because I've, I've looked into, I've read into this as well, looked into, uh, you know, interviews and things. I've only seen a little bit around George Lucas when you're asking if George Lucas had this intention to talk about loneliness and masculinity specifically in creating these characters arcs. When, when George Lucas did create Luke's arc originally, if you look at some of the early, I mean, I've read some of the early transcripts that were before even the, the final one came out. The big theme there is it's actually kind of a weird blending of the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy, the very original stuff he wrote. And that the hero character, Obi-Wan, actually was acted more like a Luke-Obi-Wan mix. And then the second hero character, the younger generation of that uh, was like an Anakin Luke mix. It was this weird mm-hmm. like mix of these characters and he kind of separated them out for these two trilogies. But I don't think it, he he went to UCL, UCLA. He was studying film. He had studied a lot of pop culture and like the hero, like I said, the hero arc and different ways of telling stories. And a lot of the themes in his stories are around like a hero stepping up. But I don't think he consciously related that to masculinity. I don't think that was a discussion necessarily that he was having, Probably, but it became such. Mm-hmm it's become one because it's been so influential for what is it now? 40 years. Is that, what's that? 77. Yeah. Basically over 40 years. And I think we can now equate that his influence on creating these characters has had an influence on boys for two generations and um, boys and men. And I think it does play a role in terms of how we talk about and view standards as far as masculinities go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I was also thinking about how even in the, prequels it shows like the jedi order and how they're like jedis as individuals are pretty lonely like don't really have like i mean yes they have other jedis to like yeah it's supposed to be interact with but like there's hardly any like community besides that you happen to all have these abilities of the force and have these weapons and have these this basically this religion and so it's interesting how it shows individualistic views and then and the opposite of that with the sith is like the rule of the two right and so how that even doesn't even show like enough 
I guess, community, yeah, quote think, unquote, you know? I think they both kind of took a, the Sith and the Jedi Order religions were created with a bastardized version of like Eastern Asian, like certain religions, Buddhism, and like a certain like notion of, oh, there's these monks that are solitary and they do their thing. And there's, you know, like all this mysticism around them. I think that's what the original incantation of, right. and it was like, one is good and one is bad. And they espouse these values. And that's this, it was this black and white, simple, you know, di- dichotomy originally. But I think the loneliness component, they both, to be a true Jedi, to be a true Sith or whatever, you are supposed to be individualistic and you are supposed to be Sith or individualistic for power and control and Jedi are individualistic for um, serving others. And you're not going to form connections because that'll potentially cloud their ability to be wholly good. And I think both have obviously massive flawed components to that. As it relates to masculinity, though, I think the original trilogy, we don't get much of that narrative in it with Luke, but you can look at his character as being super individualistic and lonely for the most part. He makes connections with Han and Leia, and and actually those connections become very deep bonds. He makes connections with Obi-Wan and Yoda um, and R2 and, and things like that, but he figures out how to utilize his friends and allies. And I think that's one of the messages of the original trilogy is that you got to count on your your community, your friends and allies to actually help do the work too. And you got to know how to like, even the one that you thought was your enemy that you could redeem, his dad can still help you out. Whereas in the prequel, Anakin, individualistic, lonely, incredibly lonely character. And this, this representation of lonely male, you know, I'm, I'm at it alone. I got to do it alone. Like the world is against me, blah, blah, blah. The universe is against me. Nobody trusts me. Everyone's belittling me. Padme, will you be my, you know, person? Oh, you're even against me. What the hell? He like, he can't grasp this idea of true connection. And it's like, he's afraid to, I think Anakin is through the whole trilogy. Whereas Luke actually embraces that. And it shows two different strengths in terms of, or two different sides of masculinity that actually forming connections, being vulnerable, I think is a stronger masculine trait than trying to be individualistic and go at it alone and failing. (laughs) Yeah. And so then you even see like the healthy, quote unquote, healthy masculinity shown in Luke, wherein he like even is going to blow up the Death Star and New Hope. And he remembers that big Stark Lighter is his like, like long friend. And they like hug each other and they're excited to see each other. But then it's interesting how at the end of that, he dies and it's just very like, oh, okay, he's dead. Wow. Like there's no, like it just didn't seem like there was a grieving process for his friend that they used to know each other for a while. And so that's really quite interesting, you know? I think there's a moment there. He's feeling yeah. pretty heavily and he's also got to focus on this task at hand. Right. You know, if he gets distracted by that, boom, he's gone. But actually, that's an interesting point. So Anakin was in his shoes. We had put literally Anakin Skywalker as a teen, 18-year-old in Luke's shoes. Anakin would have flipped out and it would have all gone to yeah, probably. Right. And he couldn't handle that. Whereas Luke's like, oh, fuck, that hurts. And there's even the music changes. And then he continues with it. He trusts mm-hmm. in, you know, here's Obi-Wan's voice and trusts in it. it's going to work out. But he's able to let go rather quickly. And I don't think that's a, like an individualism, like loneliness of like, oh, yeah. my, I, I don't know. It feels I different. think like it was cool because he expressed vulnerability from the f- vulnerability and like intimacy with a friend that we just don't see in media all the time of just like hugging like another dude. And so it was kind of cool to see that, but yeah, they still do kind of a bro pat though. (laughs) Yeah. Like it seems like better than just like, sure. How are you bro? Yeah. It was also seventies when homophobia hadn't completely caused inhibitions in men from expressing affection towards each other. Yeah. But it seemed like there was a more like genuine excitedness to see each other instead of like, Hey man, what's up? It's more like, Oh, Hey, like, sure. It just seemed like, a way of like almost kind of breaking that barrier a little bit. Well, they, they try to mirror that in force awakens with uh, Poe and Fenn giving each other Mm -hmm. this excited hug when they see each other again, even though they've only known each other for like two days. 
uh, or I don't know how long it was, but they tried to emulate and it felt, I think it felt different. It felt less for me, at least in viewing that movie. I remember that moment and I went, wow, that didn't feel as authentic. Yeah. It, as felt, the yeah, moment. it felt slightly fake. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if I wouldn't blame it on the acting, but maybe, I don't know. I think maybe just because the shift in our culture has been so much so that showing that affection towards another man and we don't see it like that authentic. And even in buddy movies, buddy comedy type movies where they have that moment like it's it's changed so much in the last like 30 years too and in a lot of those buddy cop type movies and, and, and i think another thought that just came to me was like what's what was heartbreaking about I, one of the things i thought which sort of got under the skin of a lot of longtime fans of the newest movie the last jedi was actually luke's portrayal how they how they yeah. portrayed luke he had lost his new portrayal was this old cynical recluse and sure there's like stories that told about like why how that happened we get to see a little flashback of what happened between him and kyle that pushed him down this road but i don't know if i buy it because the luke we got even as a maybe this is actually the point the luke we got as this youth 18 to 25 year old um, basically youth when he becomes a jedi in the original trilogy there's a lot of empowerment behind his actions changing the universe for good right and then we get old Luke in the later trilogy and he's kind of an pat and it's, it's, it's like a heartbreak because I think the older generations that grew up with Luke in this, in their hearts as like this pinnacle of, of hero heroism got to see what he became as an old man. And it was a letdown. But I think what's scary about that is we're seeing young generations, the Z millennial, you know, young generations taking up action now more so than generations having a long time around changing things because they're fed up with it and they're going to start letting their voices be heard, which is awesome. And then these Gen Xers who are slowly starting to become this older generation that did grow up with the Luke mentality maybe, but then lost it in the last three decades, four decades along the way, emulating more so the old crabby Jack Luke, actually, which is scary because I think we actually look at the baby boomers in that light, not Gen Xers. Mm. So I think it's like our Gen Xers begin to become the same kind of so anyway, that was kind of an interesting thought I had. Word. Anything else you want to get in there? Nah. Okay. The reason why a conversation about masculinity in Star Wars is important to try to tie all this together is like enormous cultural phenomenons like this have to be critically examined because of the impact it has on, and in our case, on men and boys. And so hopefully giving these tools of what to look for in terms of how this idea of what it means to be a man is constructed was something that we accomplished today. And I would love to compare the Sith philosophy and the Jedi philosophy in the future through this lens of masculinity. But yeah, that'd be fun to dig in some yeah. other time. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mitch, for your, all your thoughts and some of the knowledge around Star Wars. Do you mind if we interview you real quick? Oh yeah. Sweet. No, absolutely. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah. Can you tell us your journey through masculinity? My personal journey through masculinity. So I think uh, it has been, it's still, it's still evolving. It's still changing. Even as recent as last night at eight o'clock. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's today. But um, I, I think growing up and um, I definitely had a vision of what I think I wanted to become. And it was essentially a good man. And I think most of my education around what being a good man was when I was a kid was based on media. I got some of that from a little bit from my family, my brother, my older brother and dad. But I got a lot of negative stuff as well. And then other male figures in my life, coaches, teachers, you know, other family members, that kind of thing, definitely espouse certain things around masculinity, but I didn't, I didn't buy into it all the time. And so actually most of my education, I would attribute to uh, this hero mentality to define like a good man was to be defined as what these pop culture icons were. And as I matured and grew up a little bit, got to college, um, had to deconstruct a lot of that. And I had to start to deconstruct negative messages too. I learned from 
James Bond about womanizing. I had to deconstruct negative messages I learned from, um, like uh, there were just a lot of different ones that had certain negative implications. And I tried to just hold on to the positive ones. But I think what I've also learned in the last five years, trying to deconstruct even some of those as being, um, potentially harmful in terms of masculinity because they might be unattainable perfectionistic ideals. And I'm basing my notion still on white, cis, heteros, you know, certain things like that. And I've had to also integrate other forms and ideas around masculinities to help inform kind of like who I want to be. So I've pulled from readings and other um, academic sources rather than just pop culture because there's some messed up in there. And so it's been definitely a continuous journey, but I think ultimately it's trying still to work towards improvement and that's going to be life. The I've heard you maybe talk about media more than anyone else has um, in terms of their journey through masculinity. So can you talk a little bit more about what was it about media that drew you more than like other stuff? Mm. Um, two things. One thought comes to mind as far as like escapism from this in life. And so um, <clears throat> I think basing my notion of masculinities on men in my life, I saw pretty early on um, the negative impact and how it was affecting others. And I think I, I, I'm grateful that I had a pretty high level of empathy and emotional intelligence as a kid to pick up on that because I think that helped because then I would able to say, okay, well, real life men are, you know, sometimes good, but also up a lot and it's causing real life pain. I don't want to do that. So I'm going to escape to these stories, cartoons, movies, TV shows, where there is a man who maybe he messes up in an episode, but it's resolved by the end, right? In 20 to in 20 minutes to an hour. But that's so dangerous because that's not necessarily how life works, right? And so right. deconstructing that notion too um, has been difficult. But I think, um, yeah, that escapism piece and that that wanting to rely on that that the problems could be solved. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So within that, what was the first, like, I guess, piece of media that you kind of noticed the good man? Oh, damn. Uh, thinking way back, it was probably in cartoons when I was a kid. I mean, I, I do remember watching Star Wars as a kid and like Luke Skywalker stood out to me pretty quickly. Indiana Jones probably too, but I think, and probably Marty, <laughs> Marty McFly from Back to the Future. <laughs> um, but I think cartoon wise, if I went way back, it would have been something similar, silly, like, you know, Transformers and G.I. Joe's that there was like a hero character in G.I. Joe's mm -hmm. man. That's yeah. It's going way back. <laughs> What's been the most difficult deconstruction so far? That is a tough question. Yeah, um, I know. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. It's, <laughs> Are a, good, you? it's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. No, I'm glad you asked it. Um, the most difficult. I don't know if I could quantify the difference between in terms of difficult because they've been difficult and, and rife with pain and it's a different kind of pain for right. sure. I want to acknowledge that. But, um, for myself in terms of deconstructing my dominant privileged identities and the impacts of um, how I show up and also like the influence and power and in a good way empowerment that I can have with those versus like the guilt and shame that can come with that very easily and the fragility of confronting that. That one was tough. And I think the other one was, um, that's, again, it's hard to quantify the difference here, like relationships and, and forming mm -hmm solid relationships, both with men and women, romantic relationships for me with women, but also like solid, affectionate, you know, compassionate and intimate relationships with men in a way that um, is authentic and sort of deconstructing then entitlement, but also like fears. Um, for sure. That makes sense. Word. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Uh, so we know we're more than just our masculinities, right? So we'd like to ask you a couple unrelated, quick, rapid fire questions. Is that okay? Yeah. Sweet. Hard right. It's a 
We're taking a hard right. I've taken, yeah. Yeah, got it. Forget you. <laughs> oh, at first I was like, that's not a question. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Help me out here, Carl. <laughs> I was with you. In fact, I turned in my head. There you go. We talk about Star Wars. So what's your favorite Star Wars character? Favorite character is 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 Boba Fett, but I, I gotta say Luke has got a big influence on me. Okay. Why Boba Fett though? Uh I loved Boba Fett's like mysterious this is pre like all of the new stuff they've put on him but like back in the 90s when he was still this mysterious bad character there's a couple stories where he's actually the good guy and he's this anti-villain good guy anti-hero anti-villain he kind of shifts between the two and i liked that a lot because it it uh it lent to like a kind of a cool new side of storytelling that was sort of just on the cusp of coming in. So anti-heroes and anti-villains as like the main focus has been huge since the early 2000s. But before that, it wasn't yet. So that's, he was like one of the original, the OT. <laughs> that's dope. Uh, what's your favorite football team? Sports sports? Uh, <laughs> sports sports? I mean, that's, that's an answer. I think the, yep. You can, yep. Sweet. Thank you. Denver horses. What? Denver horses. <laughs> you don't have one? I had one and I just oh, forgot I got it. Go for I it. got one. What's your favorite baseball team? The Rockies. <laughs> I knew that one. I You're don't not. know. I like baseball. You do? Okay, yeah, they do that. a Star Wars day too. <laughs> like on on May 4th? <laughs> no. No. Yeah. Favorite hobby? Reading. I'm a nerd. Okay. Favorite hockey team? <laughs> Why are you asking all these sports teams? <laughs> I don't know. Because I know you hate sports and don't give a about it. I, I don't hate sports. I just don't give a <laughs> the Colorado snowfield. Oh, wait, what is it? The snowfall? The yeah. snow- avalanche. Oh, avalanche. <laughs> um, what makes you nervous? Carl's questions about sports. What's your What's your favorite basketball team? <laughs> I was about to interject with Nuggets before he could ask. That <laughs> no, it's not the Nuggets. Actually, it's the uh, it's the the nineties Bulls. Thank you. Uh, favorite breakfast food. Captain Crunch. No, uh, actually, uh, egg, <laughs> nope. egg, bacon, and cheese bagel sandwiches. Nice. Okay. What kind of bagel, though? Sesame. Okay. Okay. What's your Toasted. favorite lacrosse team? Wisconsin, <laughs> Wisconsin <laughs> lacrosse has a team. What? What? Isn't that a town in Wisconsin? Yeah. Lacrosse? Yeah. That's the dumbest joke <laughs> you've... Okay, thank you. Next. <laughs> that will be all. Uh. <laughs> Caught you off guard, didn't it? Because nobody knows that. Look, whatever. Okay. Second favorite color. Purple. Nice. We've done that one. I know. Oh, whatever. Came okay. to my head. Fine. Uh, favorite soccer team. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you have the answer. That's fine. <laughs> Biggest pet peeve. <laughs> Carl's stupid questions about sports. <laughs> what makes oh, you excited? Man. Not talking about sports. No. Um, probably... Yeah, seeing some some no, here it is. Uh, one of my students I work with um, just had a kick moment in their life, and uh, it was a huge victory for them. And so that was pretty exciting. That's awesome. I had nothing to do with it. They just it, it was cool. <laughs> that was cool. Favorite piece of media to consume, whether by TV, movie, radio, podcasts. Um, <laughs> I listen to podcasts, especially this one, a lot. At Shut home. up. Um, <laughs> I did listen to two of them. Oh, okay. You're nice. Like three, three weeks ago. Um, that's four weeks ago. Uh, my favorite piece of media to consume is, is probably, uh, movies. Yeah. Nice. Word. Well, thank you for being here, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. 
Maybe we'll follow up with another one if we get enough feedback. Yeah. Speaking of feedback, that will do it for this episode of Do You Even Lift Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for a podcast, please email WGAC at colostate.edu. That's WGAC at C-O-L-O-S-T-A-T-E dot E-D-U. Huge shout out to the partnership between the Women and Gender Advocacy Center and KCSU here at Colorado State University. These are the folks that even allow this podcast to happen. For more content about masculinities, check out meninthemovement.blogspot.com. And for more information about the WGAC, go to wgac.colostate.edu. For more KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Music production by Xavier Hadley, a.k.a. Zavley. Check him out at soundcloud.com slash Xavier Hadley. That's X-A-V-I-E-R-H-A-D-L-E-Y. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Deuces. What's up, y'all? My name is Jake. Stop it again. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me adjust these. <clears throat> Just turn his mic off. <laughs> I didn't. I swear. Okay, go ahead.